Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Friday, February 17th, 2006. Hi, this is Michael Ozan, and on behalf of my partner, Mark Horseman and myself, welcome to Manager Tools. Now, if you're a regular listener, you know that we normally roll out new shows on Monday, more or less. Well, this weekend I'm out of town, so instead of putting out the show late, as sometimes happens, Mark and I endeavored to get it out early this time. So, we hope this uh, Friday show comes as a pleasant surprise into the weekend. Now, it's been quite a while since we talked about feedback, and we think one of the reasons for that is that there's some negativity to it. What we mean by that is that one-on-ones are an easy winner. It's about your team, they want more time with you, and a half hour with you every week seems too good to be true. And if you stuck with it, you notice improvements in those areas that go beyond just employee relationships. Maybe they're kind of hard on your schedule initially, but they're perceived positively. Not so much with feedback. I bet when we even said feedback, some of you cringed. Even though we encourage affirming as well as adjusting feedback, for some reason, managers have a somewhat negative reaction to the feedback model. And we think we know why. Because adjusting feedback introduces conflict or tension. Now, let's not argue the merits of the value of sandpaper and what it delivers to fine woodwork here today. Rather, we have an additional level of learning for you to use when you deliver feedback. Or put differently, we have an add-on to this tool that will make you even more willing to use it. And, although those of you who use it will find this hard to believe, will make the feedback tool even more effective. So let's get to it. This is a good one. This is good. You should get more people excited about the feedback model. Yeah, they should. They should. I had a, I had a, a great experience today around feedback. One of my managers was having difficulty with an employee, right? And was getting ready to give the the, the employee some feedback. Well, but well, do- was he going to talk to him, or was he getting ready to give him some feedback? He was ready to give him some feedback. Oh, okay, okay. okay. So okay. Give some feedback. Um, but the interesting thing about it was, which is ties into exactly what we want to talk about today, was the the way he was going to give feedback. I knew intuitively. I couldn't and, until talking to this evening. I couldn't understand. I couldn't put a context and a, and a methodology around work. it. But I was giving him some coaching in terms of. I don't think that feedback's going to work. This is what I think right. this individual right. needs in terms of feedback. But he had in his mind that he was going to follow the feedback model, and so therefore it should work. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but, it but you knew it wasn't. Going to, it wasn't going to yeah. until we got you know together later this evening. We start talking about it. Right. It didn't dawn on me as. To why it wouldn't work, right? You know, and the fact is, um, it wasn't going to motivate him. It was so the guy would have been following the model. The manager would have been following the feedback model, and he yeah. wouldn't have been effective. Yeah, it, it drives me nuts. I, you know, these podcasts we don't have enough time to, to talk about everything, but yeah, we just we haven't fully developed the feedback model yet. I think that's why so many people talk to us about the one on ones. They love one on ones. And I'm saying, well, where's your – most people come back to me after I've coached them all and say, man, feedback, Mark, that rocks. That's awesome. We don't get as much positive about that. You know, like, you know, it's, it's negative at times. It can be a negative. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think people think they're following the model and they're missing a key part of the model. Yeah, so let's, yeah. let's talk about that because yeah. I'm, I'm excited about okay, it. Okay, good, it was, good. It's, this is, I, think, I think our listeners are really going to get a kick out of this. Okay, good. So let's start with what the purpose of feedback is. Three words. The purpose of feedback is to encourage effective behavior. 
Okay. I love that. It's about behavior, right? We we know that's what people get paid for is behavior and behavior produces performance and results. And and we've always talked about that. We stress the behavior, 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 behavior. We're not talking theory. This is what to do. Even if you feel insulted, we're going to tell you what we think you should do. Uh, My clients for for years have been saying, okay, I understand what you're telling me now. Tell me what to do. Right. Right. But not any kind of behavior. Effective behavior. Yeah. Stuff that gets us to where you want to go. Right. And the last piece, the first word, is encourage, meaning we know you can't control it. You might be able to influence it, but you can't control it. You can't make people do things. You can only encourage it. And, and to me, that word encourage sends a message that we're going to encourage behavior. We're not going to threaten people. We don't want to threaten people. We want to encourage them. And, and one of the ways you encourage people, the one of the ways you get them to behave more effectively is you communicate in a way that makes sense to them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Based on, if you look at all the different interpersonal models of behavior and personalities and everything else in the world, they almost all tend to break people down into four major categories. So as a general rule, what I tell managers is, unless you're in a really specialized area, and some of them, some of our listeners that are in the technical fields will tend to have a little bit higher number than this, but for the most part, you on average are going to click naturally with about one-fourth of your direct reports. Because randomly, about one-fourth of the world is going to have the same basic profile as you do, the same behavior behavioral, natural tendencies, the same habitual behaviors on a regular basis. Um, So about 25% of the time, whatever comes to your mind in terms of feedback, whatever impacts you want to share with people is going to work one-fourth of the time. But three-fourths of the time, not so much. And here's a perfect example. Let's start with an example tonight. Um, um, uh, Let's just say one day that you've got a – not that this is an actual case. I wouldn't want to imply that something like this might Might. actually happen, that we're pulling this from our real-world files of actual events. No, 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 we wouldn't do that. (laughs) No. Um, Let's say you've got a guy who works for you, Mike. Um, He's highly competent. He's a technical person. He's a direct report of yours. Very technical, competent. He has go-to technical skills. Um, you need him on lots of projects, even projects that don't have him assigned to him. They go to him and say, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Maybe, maybe he's self-taught. So he doesn't have the, the, the cool degree or whatever, but he's got a lot of school of hard knocks and he's been on a lot of projects and he knows why things will work and won't work and so on. Uh, lots of history with the company knows a lot of people, maybe not a high level, but knows a lot of people pretty, pretty connected. Uh, even though he's not a schmoozer, he's just kind of a rock solid kind of technical guy. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes he might be a little bit abrasive. You I know. know you know, a- already I know I'm going to get like 10 phone calls tomorrow. <laughs> Are you talking about me? <laughs> uh, that reminds me, we already had a call about the, were you talking about me last week when you talked about somebody who always has to be right? We've right. already had a call about that. Um, okay. So one day, no surprise, we've got an abrasive, highly technical, highly competent person. There's a blow up. All right. There's a, there's a, there's a confrontation of some sort. Um, and you feel like in this particular case, you got to give this guy some feedback. He, he, he blew up. Okay. Um, here, he says he's open to feedback. And so here's what you say to him. Okay. You're following the model, right? You say, Jack, when you shout at Gary and you actually say you're an idiot and that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Okay. Here's what happens. You hurt Gary's feelings. Um, others on the team get embarrassed when you do that, when they're around. Um, lots of team members go back to their cubes and quite frankly, spend the rest of their afternoon IMing back and forth about what you said and, and, uh, how they'd never do that. And, and, uh, you, you made them uncomfortable and kind of cuts back on productivity for them for the rest of the day. And they worry that other might be, other people might be uncomfortable about what has happened. Uh, so, you know, um, Jack, uh, 
what could you do differently next time? How could you handle that differently? Now, it's a perfect example. Of perfect, perfect model. model, right? I mean, you behavior impact. What could you do, or how could you handle it differently? All right, we've got the ineffective behavior. We've got the impacts. You think it's going to work? Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. No way. Uh, and I think our listeners probably know it too. Right. Right. They know it, and intuitively they know it, but they really don't have a model for thinking about it or for changing their behavior, their feedback to be more effective. Here's why. Because the impacts I described, because the consequences I described, people being upset, people getting their feelings hurt, people IMing all afternoon back and forth, have absolutely no value to Jack. Jack is a type A, make it happen, take no prisoners, leave a few dead bodies by the side of the road, yeah. get the project done on time kind of guy. What do I care? <laughs> yeah. What do I, yeah. So yeah, here's this, what's that all? And, here's and the, the bad part is. Smile. Yeah. Tell, <laughs> how does that affect me? Um, yeah. Tell your story. You know, okay, great. Um, he just does not care about hurting Gary's feelings. He doesn't care about other people getting embarrassed. He doesn't care about other people IMing back and forth. He doesn't care whether they're unbloody comfortable or not. Period. He says, look, what do you want me to do? Deliver projects or make everybody feel good? Choose right. A or B. One from column A, one from column B, but not both. If you give feedback like that to Jack, it's not going to work. And I'd be willing to bet that m many, many, many of our listeners have fallen away a little bit from the feedback model because they've forgotten the rule that you need to communicate in a way, to, way that makes sense to the recipient. And right. that means delivering feedback consequences or impacts that are tailored to that person. Right. And in most cases, the manager is giving the person feedback about the consequences that would make a difference to them, to the manager. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, you're making my life so much harder. Can you see all this? And for a lot of people, for half of the people, they couldn't care less about you. Half of the people are self-motivated. They're not motivated by other people. They don't think about other people. 50% of the world tends to be thinking about other people, whether they want to be energetic or reserved. They're, they're thinking about other people. They wouldn't dream of hurting somebody else's feelings or having somebody else think less of them. The other 50% are pretty much like, what's in it for me? Right. Nothing wrong with either side. But if all you're doing is describing the impacts on you, the people who don't care about you are thinking, okay, so tell me again why, this is, why we're talking here. Why uh, am I getting feedback from you? Nothing seems to be very important to me. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. Now, they might give you some nice, nice, nice lip service, but not much is going to change. Yeah. All right. Okay, so um, let, let's do this. Let, let, let's go through four examples where we're going to put the exact same situation into play. We're going to give you four different profiles. And, and by the way, we're not making these profiles up. These are profiles that we use in our work all the time. They come from something called the DISC behavioral model. Okay, We're going to give you a situation. And all you need to know is the bare outlines of the situation because it's not the situation that determines the effectiveness of the tailored feedback model. What's important is the tailoring of the, the consequences that are, come from their behavior. We tailor that step three, which is here's what happens. The what happens part is, is what you tailor, okay? Their behavior is their behavior. You can use a tailored model on any feedback. It depends on the person you're delivering it to that causes the tailoring to be what it is. And folks, okay? pay attention. This These elements of the DISC model we're just going to touch on today. We're going to come back in future podcasts. Because this is really cool stuff. Right. This is going to make you yeah. 
dare I say, a management god. (laughs) It's good stuff. And we're just going to barely touch on it, but we're going to come back to it in the future. Yeah, we've got – this is an easily – it's a 10-podcast series almost talking about – okay. Um, In this case, we're going to talk about Jack. Jack's been leading a project. And in this case, he delivered the project a couple of weeks late. Um, And it was a little over budget as well, which is not like Jack. But regardless, he needs some feedback, okay? Um, To stress the importance of the tailoring again, that's all you really need to know about this situation. That's all, okay? And, and in fact, just to show, I, I hope people believe this about us, normally we have pretty detailed show notes. In this particular case, Mike, we've left the show notes pretty relaxed. I, I've just basically described the situation, and I'm going to talk briefly about each of the four models, but I haven't scripted out the actual feedback. I'm going to just do it on the fly to give people a sense of how natural and how rough it can be. You don't have to be perfect. I don't want people to feel like they have to get it exactly right scripted in their head before they actually deliver it. They might want to do that a few times, but we want them to get comfortable with thinking about, um, okay, this is the kind of person I'm dealing with. He's a, he's a dominant person or he's an influential person or whatever the case might be. And here are the kind of themes I want to be looking at when I deliver the feedback. Okay. Yeah. Otherwise we'd be here all night. I mean, it would take hours and hours and hours. Okay. And when, and when I thought we were going to, we were going to talk about disc, that was my, right, right, uh, yeah. oh, like, my guy. oh my guy. We'll never be able to cover this tonight. Right. But, right. Okay. Um, so we're just going to touch on it because again, we don't have time to teach the whole thing. Okay, so let's say that Jack is what we call a dominant person. He's a high D, okay? This is a person who tends to be task-focused, okay, and, and tends to be assertive. Okay, right, so let's go back to the same. Okay. So we sat, because we're going to use things like high D, high right. S. Right, okay, you're so right. So disc, right, right. D-I-S-C. Each, people have those particular characteristics. We'll talk all, about Everybody has all four of them. In, and, in yeah. varying degrees. Right. And to the extent that they are dominant in one of the other right. is trends to drive their behavior right. in organizations and all of us life. have all four at all times i happen to be a high d and a high i you're a high d and a high c mostly high d i think right right probably yeah, yeah. i have pretty equal high d and high i okay and again we don't want to make this all about the disc model we want you to be thinking about how you're going to be able to determine by watching somebody after we talk a little bit tonight about wh- where they might fit in these four um but everybody's got all four and the key to the disc model really is thinking about you can be any of the four if you think about it. The DISC model basically says this. This is how you behave when you're not thinking about behaving. You can behave any way you want if you think about it first. Okay, So I may be a high D or high I, but at times I can show high S or high C capabilities when I'm communicating with somebody who's high S or high C and I want to make a point. Right. Okay. If I want to beat over the head somebody with my superior data to somebody who really doesn't care about data very much, I'm not going to get very far. You know, when in France, speak French. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. When I'm talking to somebody who has a different behavioral style than me, I want to modify my feedback model to make it impactful for them. I'm going to speak French to the guy from France. I want to speak Italian to Fabrizio or to Pier Giorgio because that's what they understand. Okay. Right. So, okay. So let's go back. So I want to okay, just good. point that. Let's go back good to point. Good point. Let's talk about high D. Okay. Jack is a dominant guy. High D. That's where the D actually sort of comes from, but if you, if you need a letter for a word for it, it's dominant, okay? This is a Vince Lombardi kind of person. Um, probably a little bit intimidating and sensitive. They tend to be, they tend to talk louder. They tend to be more direct. They tend to look you directly in the eye. They tend to tell versus ask. They tend to talk versus asking questions. Um, they tend to talk more than they listen. They have no problem going right to the issue. They have no problem asking you, what do you think? And when you pause for a second, say, I was talking to you, what do you think? Um, they're the kind of person who says, uh, what's it to you? Are you talking to me? Because if you're talking to me, let's dance. 
They don't have any problem with conflict. They're very direct. And in fact, a lot of people at the top of major organizations tend to be high Ds. It takes that kind of forcefulness. They're very comfortable making a decision on less than complete data. They don't, they don't ready, aim, 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 aim. They're ready, fire, aim. So That's folks, a high D. So folks, think Mark Horseman. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and you too there, Ozan. Um, um, so, okay, so that's a high D. They're comfortable in leadership role. They tend to be a problem solver. They tend to sp- respond right to you real quick. What do you think, Jack? Well, here's what I think. Bang. Okay? Whereas somebody else who's not a high D might take their time, might consider their words. A high D says, I think we should do X. Right. And those people take their time, consider their words, go a little slowly. Drive me crazy. Drive high D's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> On the other hand, the, the high D's often drive those people crazy as well. Absolutely. Like, wait, you can't make a decision like that. Yes, I can. I just did. I'm fine with it. Okay. So Jack is a high D. If you told Jack, and by the way, in the example we just gave, the first example, that was a high D. High D. Right? Okay. Often true for technology people, people who are experts. They tend to be high Ds and high Cs. A lot of IT organizations have high Ds and high Cs in them. Okay. So how do we give Jack tailored feedback in this situation? Here's how. I, I'm Jack's manager, and I say, hey, Jack, can I give you some feedback? And he grumbles and says, yeah, whatever. Um, and uh, I say, hey, when you bring in a project late and you're over budget, here's what happens. It ticks me off. You look bad. People lose respect for you. Oof. Yeah. Um, People don't want to listen to you on the next project. It'll be harder for you to get things done in the next project because people will realize you're not perfect. Um, People will be less willing to listen to you. You may talk to them, but they may blow you off. And, And quite frankly, they may choose not to engage with you, and it may cause you on your next project to do even more poorly because they realize you're not as all perfect as you act. And it may seriously affect your ability to get promoted or to look good to senior management when the stuff hits the fan and they turn to you. Or we may not turn to you in the future. Yeah. Now, that's probably overkill, okay? Right. It was but, just, the project was just a week or two late, and it was oh, over slightly over yeah. budget. His knees are jelly. He's, jelly. He's, he's lying on the floor, a big yeah, a puddle, puddle of mud. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, if I just said, Jack, when you go over budget, you know, People, people worry about you. They're afraid you're going to be upset or, you know, they might, they might want to come and visit with you and talk about how that makes you feel. <laughs> you know, Jack, Jack's head at that moment is beginning to explode. Okay. So that's tailored feedback. Now, I don't have to try to please everybody with this feedback. I don't have to give feedback that touches on all four types. I'm choosing the one. Jack is a high D. Okay. Let's give different feedback. We're going to talk Jack now as what we call a high eye. He's an influencer. A good, a good example of a high eye is a salesperson. Um, they're always available. They're inspiring. They tend to be enthusiastic. They've got a lot of tonal inflection in their voice. Um, people that are high eyes are people like uh, Katie Couric in the morning. Bill, uh, uh, Bill Clinton is a, is a natural sort of effusive, yeah. inspirational communicator. Bill Cosby is a high eye. A um, lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm. They, they're very animated. They have good facial expressions. They tend to be spontaneous. They laugh out loud, um, whereas Ds, they only laugh at people when they laugh <laughs> out loud. Um, they tend to dress a little nicer. They tend to uh, – the, the old joke about high eyes is, um, uh, enough about me. What do you think about, about me? <laughs> um, actors tend to be high eyes. Um, and, and, and there are an awful lot of people in, in senior positions that are high eyes as well because Ds and eyes both tend to be assertive. They tend to push themselves forward. Um, now, 
the negatives of high eyes is they tend to be a little bit sloppy, not as interested in details. Um, but they like having people around them. They like having a group, a circle of friends. They're the ones who say, let's go out and have happy hour tonight on Monday. Okay. Yeah. Whereas the, the high D says, yeah, you guys go ahead and party. I'll go ahead and right. A business meeting, they're the ones holding court in the corner. Exactly, yeah. Or, or the business meeting, they're always schmoozing everybody. They're walking around shaking hands with everybody. Hi, hi, John Smith, <laughs> Rush Chairman, damn glad to meet you, right? Um, so that's a high eye. So how do we give feedback to Jack, who's a high eye, who's been running this project, and it's a little bit late, and it's a little bit over budget? So we say, hey, Jack, can I give you some feedback? And he says, sure. Mark, happy to, I mean, gosh, please, come on in, sit down, make yourself comfortable. You want some coffee? I was just going to get some coffee. I'm buying Starbucks. You want to? <laughs> whereas, whereas the Heidi just said, yes, what is it you want? <laughs> right? So, How so, long will it take? Right, yeah. Jack is like, hey, I, I, dude, you're my boss. As much time as you need. You know, If you want to talk about it, I want to hear it. That's the kind of guy I am. Team player. That's me, Jack the team player. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm laughing, but you're laughing at me because I have a lot of high eye tendency as well. No. <laughs> no. no. I yeah, never do sorry. that. Um, yeah, I'm the sales guy. Um so I would say, Jack says, sure, I'd like to get it. Jack, when you bring in a project late and over budget, here's what happens. People look at you and wonder how good you really are. Um, they're not as motivated to be excited about being on a team with you. Um, it really kind of tarnishes your image. Um, it makes people feel like you're not the leader they thought you were. Um, it makes people think maybe if I had a choice between working for Jack or Tom or Gary, maybe I choose not him. I'll go to work for Tom. Uh, you know, Tom seems a little bit more down to earth. Uh, maybe they think, um, you know, your sloppiness got the better of you and all the friendliness and outgoingness is really, you're just covering up for, and they stop listening to you. Oh, I know that's below the belt. Yeah. Yeah. They're just not, you know, they've got other things to do. When you go around their cube, maybe in the future, maybe they'll be, I'm sorry, I'm really, really busy, Jack. Now, if we told Jack the high D um, that people will stop listening to you, he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if they're working for me, I don't care whether they hear me or not, because if they don't hear me and they don't do it, I'm going to hammer them. Right. Whereas right. Jack the high eye, he says, what? what? What would I do if people didn't listen to me? Well, ha, ha, I, I can only see myself in the reflection in their eyes, right? And we're being a little bit unfair. We're taking this a little bit to the extreme. But if you've got somebody who works for you who's a little bit more salesy, a little bit more enthusiastic, a little bit more expressive, you want to talk about the impacts of their behavior on how other people see them on their reputation among other people in terms of friendliness and outgoingness and so on. You know, in, in a cutting to the quick, you might say, you know, Jack, if you continue to do things like this, people won't come to your parties anymore. Ouch. Ow. Now, you probably wouldn't say that, but that's the theme you want to have when you're delivering feedback to a high eye. Yeah. Okay? Okay. How about a high S example? Okay, high S. Now, this is um, the high Ds and high Is are both tend to be assertive. The D tends to be focused on tasks. The I tends to focus on people. He's an assertive people person. The high S, now we're talking S's and C's tend to be reserved. An S person is reserved. We call them a steady person. Steadiness is their is their, sort of their watchword. They tend to be reserved, but they're also people focused like an I. A classic example of a high S is um, great team players, very supportive, very 
male or female doesn't matter, but the analogy is a grandmother, the lady who likes to bake cookies, the lady who says, how are you? Please eat, come sit at my cube, let's talk. How are you doing? How are your yeah. family? They remember your kids' names. Right. Okay. Mark, are um, you okay with that? Yeah. It- how, how do you feel about it? Is that, is that all right? Are you okay with that? You know, a high D would... Do you think a high D would ever say, hey, Mike, you okay with that? I don't think so. What he would say is, Mike, you are now officially okay with that because I told you to. And the I said, I'm okay with it, so therefore you must be okay with it, right? Whereas the C, we'll talk about a C in just a minute. They tend to be, S's tend to be a little bit indecisive. They tend to be a little bit reserved, a little bit slower to accept change. The D's and I's are okay with change. In fact, D's not only are okay with change, they believe they're the font of all good change in the world. I'm okay with change because I'm going to change you right now, okay? (laughs) And the eyes are like, hey, let's change because it's better. Let's change clothes. Let's change the party. Let's change the location, okay? So the S says, um, uh, you know, they ask questions. They make small talk. uh, They tend to listen really well. They tend to have a slower delivery. They tend to be a little bit warmer. They've got a smile in their voice. They tend to knock not quite as loud as the D's or I's. They tend to take a little bit longer when they deliver. But they love people. They care about others. They want the team to buy in. They love that phrase, buy in. I can't make a decision to save their life. (laughs) (laughs) I can't take this. And those high Ds that sometimes they have high blood pressure and we worry about them and we wonder about their family connections and we hope they're spending time with their children. And maybe those high Ds and I's just need an animal, a dog, to slow down and relax and smell the roses because... Life is too short, and, you know, gosh, take your time. Smell the roses. You never know. Mike, you never know. My head's getting ready to explode. <laughs> no, you can, no. you can no, tell remember, I'm, no, no, I'm no, not no, a high no. S. You, you can tell. You, exactly like, right, yeah. And the key again is I, if I'm talking to a high S, I, you heard me slow down my voice. I can do that. I don't go that far, but I'm not my, my, my most motivated. When I get really excited about something, you see it, Mike. When I'm really excited, I show my high D and high I because I know you're comfortable with that. When I'm with some other people that work around me, I'm a little bit more reserved. Some of my clients are high S's and high C's, and I've got to say, I just want to share with you something that's really powerful. I want to lay out the steps for you. I would never say that to you, but a high C, I might very well say, let me tell you how excited I am this. I'm going to lay out my five-step process, and you're really going to like it. Okay. We're not the high C yet. Right. Sorry. Okay. So high S's. Um, All right. So, So how would I give feedback to the high S who brings in a project a little bit late and a little bit over budget? I'd say, uh, hey, Jack, uh, can, may I give you some feedback? Jack says, yeah. And, he says, and Jack would probably say, well, um, I guess. Um, should I get a notepad? I, you know, If it's going to take a few minutes, let's go back to my cube. Or if you want, I can come to your cube. Whatever's best for you, Mark. Let, let's, you know, if you need a few minutes, that's fine. And, of course, at this moment, uh, at this moment if, if the high D says, no, I'll give it to your right ear standing in the middle of the hallway, probably not a good plan. The high S probably wants to go back to his or her cube. You want to sit him down for a minute. You want to relax. You want to you want to slump in your chair a little bit. And you want to say, "Hey, if I can, let me let me give you a little bit of feedback." Um, when you bring in a project late and and over budget the way you did, here's what happens. It really hurts the team. Um, it slows us all down. Um, it affects our reputation with the boss and with other people in the organization. I also think it, it makes people worry about you. It makes them wonder whether you're on your game or not. Um, it it uh, makes them think maybe uh, they didn't do enough for you, and so they begin to feel guilty about their role in the failure. Um, 
and and they start talking to me about, gosh, are you, you know, are you okay? And you know, how's this going to affect the team? And what do we do going forward? And does this mean there's going to be a lot of new changes because we didn't do well on this last thing? It really, really begins to worry people. And you know, I just wondered what you might be able to do differently, consider doing differently next time. Different, huh? Different. But very absolutely different. powerful for the person who's worried about what other people, how other people feel, very team-focused, very much interested in how other people would react to them and want other people to feel good about their work. You know, if people start doubting themselves, the S goes, oh, my gosh, I, got, I just have to go talk to them right now. Okay? It's the grandmother mentality. It's not Vince Lombardi. If I told a, a high D, well, you know, some people are a little bit worried about how everybody else on the team feels. <laughs> The D is like, am I having this conversation? He's rolling on the floor. What's wrong with you? And here's the danger. If you're a high S, if you're a real team team leader, you're always thinking about your team. And you've got a couple of high Ds working for you. And you're about to sit down with them and tell them how it embarrasses other people when you yell or how when you bring in a project late, the team worries about how you're doing and about what their contribution was and so on. The high D is like, and this is a problem for me, how? Right? So you've got to be careful. If your style is the same as the person you're talking to, and you should be able to figure that out pretty quickly, then you're fine to use what works for you. But it's probably only true 25, maybe 30, 40% of the time yeah. at most. Yeah. Right? And people can figure out their style by just gauging their own reaction to the example feedbacks. Yeah. If, if you're yeah. relating to it and it's making sense to you, then that's your style. That's your style. <laughs> A good one. If, if you're like me when you're doing the high S stuff and I'm just going, look at my <laughs> eyes are bugging out of my head. That's a pretty good indicator. Right, exactly. Okay, so high C, all right? Um, high C is what we call a conscientious person. They tend to be the perfectionists on a team. They're task-focused, but they're also reserved. They're the person who says, ready, aim, 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 aim. Mike, if you just give me a little more data, I'll have a recommendation for you. And you come back and you say, but Mark, I, I really don't want a recommendation. I want you to do something. Well, Mike, like I say, I need some more data. And once I have that, I'll be happy to make a detailed recommendation to you with steps and plans and the whole thing. Well, Mark, I, I really don't want you to recommend something. I want you to do something. Yeah, Mike, like I said, I, a little bit more data and I'll be able to come up with a set of recommendations. Well, Mark, I want you to do something. Well, I'd like to give you a set of recommendations and I'd like you to make a decision. And then based on that, I'll come up with an even more detailed plan. And then I'll t- keep you posted on a daily basis of what my status is. Now, there's probably some people who are project managers are going, oh, I love this person, right? We want somebody who will keep track of all the details of a project. Yeah. To a certain extent. Very rules-based as well. Yeah, absolutely. If there's a rule and it's not being followed, they do not yeah. like exceptions yeah. to rules. We don't do it that way. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. It says right here in the manual, you can't do that. Well, actually, it doesn't say I can't. It just says that's the way we do it. Yeah, you have to do it this way. Well, no, I, I don't. I can do it any way I want, and I'm deciding I'm going to skip that one. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah that drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what's interesting, though, is if a high C gets crazy, they won't necessarily yell or scream. They'll just say, well, you're not following the rule. Yeah, I know. I got that. Yeah, but you're not following the rule. I heard you. I got it. I'm going to step right on top of that rule on my way to delivering this project on time and on budget. Well, no, that's not the way we do it. And and, and they'll actually retreat into their shell. And what they'll do is become even more of a perfectionist, more of a rules-based person, but they probably won't confront you unless they have a pile of data. And if they don't feel like they can outrank you, they may have to go to a higher source. They tend to escalate to get somebody to support their point of view. If the data doesn't win, and they're always surprised when the data doesn't win, 
Right. <laughs> okay. I wish people could see your facial expressions during this podcast. They're classic. Okay. And, and by the way, a lot of IT people tend to be high D, high C. Very task, all task focus, uh, um, sometimes assertive, sometimes reserved, depends upon their role in the organization. Right. And a lot of time they're dealing with their internal clients, a lot of cases are marketing sales exactly. who are exactly opposite. Oh, perfect, perfect. We didn't even talk about that. But yes, the, the managers tend to see the world much more around people. And IT people or technologists or internal folks tend to see it much more in terms of tasks. And so they don't think about people and they tend to be very, very rules driven. And they're saying, well, gosh, you just can't do that. And the marketing people say, yeah, but our customers want it. Whether we can do it or not, the customers will pay us money for it. We'd like to get some money so we can pay our salaries. And the IT people say, well, gee, I, I, I'd actually prefer that we do it correctly. Yeah, the marketing people say, we'd like to stay in business, thank you. And, and we'd like to outsource you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a whole show on that, right? If they can outs- I think if they can outsource um, McDonald's drive through order takers like they do in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, all the way to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and those of you who have read The World is Flat, you know that's true, done by our classmate Steve Biggery from West right. Point. If they can do that, they can outsource an IT function as well. Yeah. Pay attention, IT Pay guys. attention. Okay, so, now, all right, high C. So, uh, um, Jack, can I give you some feedback? Uh, when you bring in a project late and over budget, here's what happens. Um, it hurts our ability to fund the next project. Okay, um, uh, We're not following the process, and so the process on the next project comes into question. People start questioning whether we're doing things right and whether we need to go back and review the process in detail. Um, it tends to make it less likely that your way of doing things will be followed the next time. People will tend to be less willing to follow your approach next time, and so it's possible that people will tend to want to do things too quickly next time to make up for the slowness that you showed on this particular case, and they might get sloppy in an effort to move quickly. Um, As well, people tend to be um, more uncomfortable about uh, following a very, very strict set of procedures. They're, they're going to be more willing to consider new ways of doing things rather than following the, the old ways because maybe the old ways aren't working. Maybe this is an indication the old ways aren't working. Um, also, they tend to be um, – they tend to come to me a lot rather than coming to you. When the project gets behind and they don't feel like you're listening they, and you continue to follow your process even though you're behind schedule, they start coming to me more, and I think that undermines – their perception of your influence and control on the situation. Um, and quite frankly, it makes people question the value of your other judgments when you say you're going to deliver on time and you're late. So it affects your credibility going forward. When, you know, when Jack says X, maybe X is not so yeah. true anymore. We question your data. All right. And they start to wonder whether process is even required given your process and oh. we're still late. <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's not fair, Mike. That's not fair. So those are four examples, high D, high I, high S, high C. Each one, all they did was bring in a project late and a little bit over budget. And we just delivered the feedback model four different ways, sounding four completely different uh, situations. It would sound as if it was four different situations, and it was the exact same situation, and it's totally a different delivery depending upon their behavioral style. That is a tailored feedback model. The next time you're giving feedback, take a moment and ask yourself, not what was the behavior, but what is the style of this person? What's the behavioral uh, model or style of this person, and how can I impact them rather than – I don't want to focus on their behavior. I want to focus on how to communicate their behavior to them. 
I feel this to me is like incredibly powerful stuff, and I feel like it's hard to give this the the proper amount of time but, in one yeah, pocket. Yeah. This is just a lot of information to throw at, right. at people. Is there something we could put on the web? Maybe a description of high D, high I, sure. S, and C, just so people just can kind of look at that and, yeah. and, and think about how they I, might I encourage them feet. to print it off and, and, and keep it at their desk. And it's just a it, – we've got a lot more to share with them in this area. But it will give them a, a thing to, to look at to sort of go, okay, Bob's going to come in. Let me look at those four real quick and see if I can – we don't want to categorize people. We don't want to put people in boxes. But it will give you a template, a filter to start thinking about the people that are working with you. And, again, most importantly, if they're different in a, terms of style – Different is neither good nor bad. It's just different. And a great team has all different styles on it because all different styles tend to create uh, better results. If you have nothing but a team of high Ds, Mike, everybody's going to be a chief. There's not going to be any Indians. There's going to be a lot of decisions but no work. And if a bunch of high Ss, everybody's going to be baking cookies for one another. But that doesn't mean they're actually going to push forward to, right. to fight through a difficult situation or a difficult decision. So, so it's a way to think about your interactions with people. Since we all have our own paradigms already, it's helpful to, to refresh your memory. Okay, let's think about Jack for a minute. Let's think about where he fits in there. And how can I be more effective in my communication with Jack by considering how he views the world? In a way, this is a form of cultural diversity. I'm thinking about Jack's culture, his individual culture being a little bit different than mine, and I'm going to communicate to Jack in a way that makes sense to Jack. It's a sensitivity issue rather than a categorization issue. Yeah, there's a number of reasons we won't get into now as to why we've chosen to use, why we use DISC in our practice over things like Myers-Briggs. But you could use, if you're comfortable with Myers-Briggs, you could think about Myers-Briggs and how people, ENTJs versus INTJs, etc., kind of tend to behave in the world and build your own rules around how you might yeah, talk, to, give feedback to each of those kind of individuals. Yeah. We prefer disc. We'll we'll talk about yeah. it in the future. It's all so about why. behavior, folks. It's all about behavior. <laughs> There's a hint. Yeah, there you That's go. Wise. So, super crammed a lot in here, but hopefully it was helpful. Great. All right. Thanks, man. You bet. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks for joining us today on uh, this edition of Manager Tools, and we hope to see you again next week. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at www.manager-tools.com. So until next week, so long. We'll be right back.